Welcome to Sastery in the Making, the podcast that features the people who made the software world what it is today and the leaders who are shaping the future of technology. Here's your host, Matt Wallach. Okay, I have some questions for you. Are you a software startup and you've been wondering about finances? How do you hire a CFO? When should you bring on a CFO? And what about running your operation with a COO? When should any of that happen? Well, if you've ever wondered any of these, you are in the right place. This is Sastery in the Making. I am your host, Matt Wallach, and I am delighted to be joined by my special guest today, Benjamin Friedman. Benjamin, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Matt. It's great to be here talking with you about these issues. So this is awesome. I'm really excited to have you here. So thank you so much for coming on. Let me tell you all a little bit about Benjamin. This guy knows his stuff. He is the founder of Build, Scale, Grow. That's a company that offers fractional COO and CFO services, helping companies get their operations, get their finances in place early. He also supports passionate founders achieving their dreams. I love that mission statement, that vision. That is great. Benjamin has cut his teeth very well at a lot of great places. He was formerly the CFO for Parsley. He's also been the head of finance and operations at five prior companies. So when it comes to operations, when it comes to finance, Benjamin is really the real deal. So Benjamin, thanks again for coming on the show. Of course. This is great. Let's get into it. Awesome. So tell me about what you've been doing lately and what's coming up with you. Sure. So obviously, the last few months have been uh, more turbulent than usual for all businesses, in particular for startups. So initially, at the beginning of the pandemic, it was a lot of uh, assessing the situation, figuring out uh, tough decisions to be made. And then more recently, you know, those companies that have found their stride through all this are, are starting again to look how to expand. Perhaps they pivoted a little or even a lot. And they've started to get some traction, and now they're looking to move forward. So I don't think you know we're through this by any means, um, but they're starting to get a handle on some of the uncertainty. They figured out what works in meeting uh, their market, and they're moving forward. I've seen that as well. Obviously, most people listening to the show know that I help with the sales side. I help coach and mentor software founders, software leaders on how to successfully implement their sales process and really build their sales operations. We've seen the same thing, starting to see some traction, some rebirth in the economy, so to speak, and starting to see some of the the plays that we're putting out there working more and more. So I hope that it's a positive trend that we'll see going forward. So I would agree with what you're saying on the operation side, the sales side, we're seeing the same thing. So that's a really good sign, I would say. Yeah, I hope so too. I mean, we're still, you know, experimenting as a society right now. Every country, every community is trying to figure out what works. But I do think a lot of companies have found their rhythm. They're a little bit more comfortable with moving forward. And uh, I'm excited. Yeah, me too, for sure. I wanted to ask you, we talked about how you do both COO and CFO stuff. So can you just explain for us, how are those roles different? And how do you do them both together at the same time, Benjamin? Yeah, sure. Uh, So Matt, what happens is a lot of companies at the very early stage they really are looking for one person to handle both sides of the responsibility and not necessarily at the tactical level, um, but more at the strategic level because there's so much interplay between finance and operations that uh, they're working a lot together. For example, you might build a financial model, 
but then you need to help to execute that, figure out what software systems people need to be in place that you don't have now or what needs to be leveled up in order to move forward. As companies grow and they're looking to uh, get more specified in positions, uh, those roles can often break out as well. And so then the finance role is looking more at predictions, modeling, forecasting. They also might start working on M&A activity uh, from either end, either acquiring a company or, or being part of a merger. And they're also, you know, people in the head finance role are working with investors, uh, soothing that out. Uh, they might be looking at audits and other issues on that end. Mm. On the operations side, it gets more specialized in that they're looking at how these teams are working well together. Uh, some companies have more invested on the inventory or services side. And so somebody really needs to keep track of all that activity. Sure, there's a lot of budgeting and modeling on how all those pieces come together, but it's more of an operational mode as, as far as how do you gain the most efficiency while also building the strongest culture. That's great. Certainly some good stuff. In my world, in our world, for a lot of the people listening, we're in the software world. And by and large, most software founders are technical founders. Sure, some come from the marketing space, even the sales side. Very, very few come from the finance background. And so what ends up happening is that you have a lot of these early stage companies with no internal financial expertise or experience. And so that's really, really critical, especially as you start getting some sales, you start getting some traction. So really, what is your advice? At what point should a startup look to hire a fractional CFO? Sure, that's, that's a great question. Uh, it's going to be very personal for every founder because not only do you have the responsibilities of the position, but there's also a little bit of delegating responsibility or in simpler terms, letting go. And that's hard for any of us and founders are humans too. Uh, so it's figuring out when as a founder... Uh, you are spending enough time on finance and or operations that it's distracting you from really pursuing the area that you are best qualified to serve. So you have a vision for the company. You see opportunities to develop business. You have a roadmap in mind for the product. And you know that if you pour your energy in that, that this company is going to be something amazing. It's not that you can't do the books. It's not that you can't manage teams. It's not that you can't implement new software or systems. It's that it's best to leave those responsibilities with someone you trust, and then you can really focus a lot more of your energy and time on growing the company. And that's where I see the inflection point. Sometimes it's very concrete. Uh, you get a round of funding and you decide, okay, you know, now is the time to put that position in play. And other times you just see your calendar fill up with you know, meetings and discussions and decisions that are certainly important for the growth of the company, but not uh, hypercritical for what you want to accomplish. And they don't align with your expertise and your strengths. And it's that type of self-awareness uh, that leaders who reach that sooner are able to really exponentially grow their companies faster. I love that. And I love the idea of a fractional CFO. I think we're seeing this more and more with a lot of different roles. Like you said, I think that once you get going, start seeing traction. Of course, at the early stages as a founder, you're wearing a ton of hats and you're doing pretty much everything all the way down to custodial work. But at some point, you need to realize, hey, if we're really going to scale, we need to start specializing. Let's find somebody to take on this responsibility. Let's find this responsibility. But 
The challenge is, especially in the early days when revenue is light, you can't bring on a full-time person. And the other part of it is there's not full-time work. So I love this fractional idea that, hey, you can get an expert who is fantastic and has the experience and knows how to help and how to get you where you need to be, but you don't need them full-time. Have them take care of it a little bit here, a little bit there. You still get that expertise. You still get that leveling up, except you don't have to pay the big bucks, the big salary, the big bonuses. I'm sure that your clients are getting that kind of benefit. Well, I certainly hope so. But I obviously agree with your point that uh, I can come in at any point. It can be post-funding. You know, How do you apply those funds so that they are applied most efficiently? Uh, the company moves forward as quickly as possible. Uh, it can be a specific project that's been nagging the company, but it's time to address it. It can be a specific gap in needs. And you're exploring how do we fulfill that need? And how do we approach it? Um, but we don't necessarily want to pull the trigger on hiring somebody full-time, go through all those dynamics, making sure there's a great fit. And so you can use this as an interim step. Uh, it's certainly part of an exponential growth plan. Uh, if you're looking to stay steady and you know that's your business plan, that's totally fine. But if you're looking to grow quickly and to solve problems as uh, expeditiously as possible, then you want to bring in somebody who can really focus on those specific problems And as a side benefit, you get to see how does that position interact with the company? Is it a benefit to the other leaders, to myself? Or is it something that it was great for this one project, but then that's it? This type of model really allows you to experiment effectively. Yeah, absolutely. I would totally agree. So that's great for the fractional side. But when do you know, Benjamin, when do you know, okay, we're getting some scale here and we really need full-time help. So when is it the right time to bring on a full-time CFO? Yeah, so I think that really depends on the needs of the company. Uh, If you're fintech or you're heavy in the numbers, you might want to bring that person on sooner. If, again, as a founder, you're getting pulled into or distracted by a lot of questions around the model, uh, the numbers, the metrics, maybe not on a monthly basis, but on a weekly or even some companies a daily basis, then it's really time to consider putting someone to address that issue of the company. In other cases, you might have grown, you could be 30, even 50 people, and you have somebody who's handling the bookkeeping, but not looking in the front view uh, windshield of what's going to happen going forward and how to handle that. And that's the point where you start to say, if I had someone in here helping really to shadow and think about planning for the future and helping to make some great decisions, then that would be awesome. Uh, There's some real long-term benefit to that uh, short-term investment. Then it's time to think of it from that perspective. That's a great point. You know, speaking of that, we talked about the fractional help and then bringing on a full-time CFO for the first time. How does that CFO role change from those early days, startup, grind time to later on when you start getting into real growth and scale? How does that role change for the CFO over time? Sure. So I think a CFO coming in, especially to an early stage company, if that's the choice, but whenever that person comes in, they're really initially looking at cash flow, making sure that everything's handled, certainly for the next few months. But you know, in these times, we've really started to look as far out as 18 to 24 months and making sure that's taken care of. Let's assume that's all right. Then you want to start to look at metrics and systems, making sure that the information you need in order to make the best decisions is being input and then being pulled out. And then it's also being communicated across the company. 
so that you can make those decisions as quickly and effectively as possible. It doesn't mean things won't change. You won't evolve those systems, but that's the next step. And then after that, you're looking at different controls, uh, making sure that any money changing hands, either coming in or going out, that there's a good system of control for that cash flow. And then finally, you're going to start to look at some extra activities like mergers, acquisitions, new rounds, and the CFO is going to be highly responsible for queuing those up and making sure those follow through. Yeah, that's a that's great advice for sure. You did mention new rounds. I want to touch on that a little bit because a lot of the the people who listen to the show are seeking investment now or in the future. So, what are some of the biggest mistakes startups can make in that fundraising process? Sure. So, the way I think about it is there are two types of mistakes. The first falls in the category of sort of technical or logistic going after funders who are really not going to be a good fit you know, with your company or perhaps your personal style. And, you know, remember, you're getting into an eight to 10 year relationship here. And so it's really important what firm and particularly, you know, what board members you're going to be working with. Uh, There's also logistics of having all your due diligence ready. It's not that when you're ready to sign, all of a sudden, all this information has to come to bear. A strong CFO is going to put the systems in place so that you're already pulling together the reports and information needed so that when it comes time for that investment, you have all that information ready. So those are more like logistical considerations. And then I think there's the other side, which is sort of the mental, the mindset approach. Do you really need this fundraising round? I mean, sure, it's exciting to get that round. It can really propagate your growth, but it also could be a burden. It's disruptive at a certain level. You have new board members, new responsibilities, new reporting requirements. Of course, there's the equity consideration as well. So you want to step back and really think, do I need this round in order to get to where I'm going? Or can I wait possibly six months, 12 months and see how things play out and have a much better idea of if it makes sense to move forward? And then the other piece is lining up your values you know, with those investors. You don't want to have discussions down the road around the, say, direction of the company or you know, feel like you're constrained in some way. As a founder, you know, that's the last thing you want is you're trying to pursue your passion. So you have to think that if you're going to make this decision, what is going to be the implication on you uh, and your mindset? Yeah, I totally agree. And and one of the things I've always looked at, you kind of hinted at, you know, when you're bringing on investment, you're going to be with these people for a while. And I think that just aligning more than just the dollars is really the, is this a good partnership? Is this something that's really going to help move the company forward, help you move forward. And I think finding that right partnership, someone who can, and we, I look at it always from the sales side, someone who can get your foot in the door or can get you to that next level of, of scale and growth can really be practical to find in the right investing partner. Yes, no, I totally agree. Uh, it's funny because in building a relationship, normally it's you know one-on-one, you're talking with that person. But when it comes to investing and considering how long you're going to be working together, it totally makes sense to talk with other founders who've worked with those investors, you know, get their opinions and not about the good times and how wonderful and supportive they are, but try to find some founders who've gone through tough times and see how those investors respond to that as well. Because look, we're only human. Our marketplaces are constantly evolving. You really want to know how those investors are going to work with you through good and bad times. I love that. I think so many times startups and startup founders are so 
feeling like they need investment and just need to kind of cater to the needs of the investor. But going the other way and actually doing your due diligence and figuring out, is this someone that you want a long-term relationship with is absolutely critical. So that's great advice, Benjamin. Great. I think likening it to sales, it's really getting a sense of what clients are best for your company and then how you know to work with them to ensure that it's a good partnership. Absolutely. Thanks for putting it in my language for me. <laughs> sure. <laughs> So what are the financial best practices for software startups? Let's see if we can help them make some best practice benchmarks. Sure. So you always start with the industry uh, metrics and benchmarks. You want to know what other companies like yours are doing, what they're asking for. I think a lot of companies then move into what are called vanity metrics or metrics that only apply to your company. And I think that's fine as long as those metrics, A, Align with your revenue stream and, and how you want to grow, and B, they align with your values. So that if you can clearly draw the connections between this is the type of company I want to build, this is the type of market I'm approaching, this is how I want to grow, and this is how I'm measuring all three in a continuum, then that's going to make a lot of sense. And you're going to be able to explain that to your investors, to the public, and equally importantly, to your team, because your team needs to be really on board with understanding and applying towards those metrics. Yeah, it's absolutely true. So in terms of uh, somebody who's leading a team, what characteristics do you see as most important for a great leader? Sure. So we always start with leaders who are inspiring. Uh, they're the ones whose passion just really excites us as well. And you can see how they are able to convey that inspiration. But that's a little less tangible as well. So other areas I like to look towards are leaders who are resilient and adaptable. Uh, certainly this year has proven out resilience. It's figuring out how do you move forward? How do you take the hand that you're dealt and, and play the best game you can? How are they working with their teams in order to communicate how they're going to move forward? If they've had to make changes with their teams, how do they communicate that? There's a sense of uh, quiet confidence that can come with resilience where it's not that you have all the answers, but it's how you play it out, how you talk with your team, your investors, your clients about what's going on and the steps you're taking to adapt. And then with that ad adaptation, you know, as a leader, what decisions are you making that capture what the market needs currently and what the market will need in the future, right? It's not that every company can turn around and start making PPEs for the public. Uh, some companies did, and that's awesome. But other companies have to find their own way now and how they're going to work and exist in the long term. And so you want to have leaders who are pushing forward ideas that make a lot of sense for the next six months to two years and have a real clear path in order to achieve that. Fantastic. That adaptability is so crucial and never more than here in 2020. I mean, it's just uh, something that all the way through the business life cycle is super important. There's always things that come up. There's always little challenges that pop into your way, roadblocks, uh, making it hard to get to your goal. Being adaptable, being able to pivot and switch, whether on a small scale, on a call or on a big scale with strategy, it's really, really critical. So I love that one. That's great advice, Benjamin. Oh, thanks. It's, it's funny because 2020 is usually associated with a perfect, clear vision. Uh, but in fact, this year has been the opposite. Uh, so we're all trying to adapt to some degree. Leaders are not only figuring out the best ways to do that, but they are also exuding that confidence to talk to people. They're expressing their uncertainty, but also their clarity around where things need to head. Totally true. 
Well, this has been a great learning experience for me. I really appreciate it. Hope everybody out there has learned all about CFO services, COO, investing, fundraising. This has been awesome, Benjamin. But I want to make sure people can learn more if they need to. So how shall our audience learn more about you and what you're doing? Yeah, sure. No, that's awesome. The website is webuildscalegrow.com. And then I also post regularly on LinkedIn under my own name. So hopefully between those two, you'll find something of interest. Awesome. I post all that in the show notes as well. So if you're listening to the podcast, just go ahead and click into the notes. You'll be able to find all of that. But this has been great, Benjamin. So thank you so much for coming on. Once again, we've been talking with Benjamin Friedman from Build, Scale, Grow. Benjamin, I appreciate it. Thank you, Matt, for having me out here and being able to talk about these issues. They're really exciting, especially in these days. And I look forward to future discussions. Absolutely. I do as well. And for everybody listening, please make sure that you hit that subscribe button, sign up so you get notified of new episodes. We are always talking with leaders and innovators in the SaaS and software space. So you're always going to see more new original content helping you get to where you want to go. And if you really want to scale, be sure to book a time with me. You can chat with me directly. I can learn about your situation and see if there's anything I can do to help you get to that next level. Check the show notes for the link to do that. And I will see you then. For everybody else, looking forward to seeing you at the next show. Thank you. Take care. Thank you for listening to Sastery in the Making. Join us next episode for another look into how today's visionaries are creating the next generation of innovation. Thank you.